0: What up, everybody? It's me, George Becknell, and I'm back with another episode of the highly opinionated podcast. And I got some big opinions, man. There's so much that's been going on. I got to talk about this college football playoffs. I got to predict both of the games for you. But before I do that, I got to tell you why this is the best LSU football season ever to me, regardless if they win or not. And also, I can't forget about my New Orleans Saints. All that and more right after this. Hey, man, I I missed y'all. It's it's been a while, but I had to come back and talk to y'all about these college football playoffs. You know, we got two amazing matchups coming up. We got LSU facing off against Oklahoma, and we got Clemson facing off on Ohio State. So we got two fantastic matchups, and I'm going to get into it and break it down and kind of let you know what I think and what I feel about each game. But before I do all that, I got to dive into a little something closer to home, right? It's no secret that I grew up watching LSU football. You know, my dad had me watching LSU when Curly Holman was the coach, you know, and I watched a couple of years of bad football, right? You know, and I've fallen in love with the culture and the tradition and the history and, and everything about LSU football, Right? So, you know, when I think about LSU football, I think about the white jerseys at home. You know, Jared Donato bringing those white jerseys back. You know, I think about every five-yard line being marked off. I think about the, the H field goal posts, things that no other school has. You know, I think about the band playing the same thing on every down. Like, I just love the tradition, right? And some of the big moments. Like, I remember... You know, when Kevin Falk got here and LSU started going to bowl games. When they knocked off Florida in 97. You know, then Nick Saban came in, took the program to a new level. You know, Rohan Davy, and Josh Reed had a fantastic season in 01. They won the SEC Championship for the first time and I don't know how long. You know, you had the Bluegrass Miracle. You had the National Championship, which I was on campus for. You know, with guys like Marcus Spears, Corey Webster, Justin Vincent, you know, Mike Clayton, that, that whole that whole group of, of players, right? That fantastic group. You know. Then Nick Saban leaves, you got Les Miles coming in, Les Miles going for it on four down four different times, you know, losing two home games but still winning the national championship and, and just being the mad hatter. Then you kinda win little dark ages of of inept offense. And just, you know, only defensive football, right? But I'm going to tell you this. Out of all those moments that I've watched LSU football, this season has been the best for me. Ever. You know, and for a plethora of reasons, right? You know, reason number one. I just talked about how bad LSU's offense was under Les Miles, you know. It's a couple years ago, I saw a stat where Leonard Fournette ran the ball with eight men in the box higher than 60% of the time. 60% of the time, we're running the football with more than eight people in the box. That's ridiculous. And I'm just glad that brother didn't tear both his ACLs while he was here with that type of wear and tear, you know. But that goes to show the type of bland, vanilla, three yards and a cloud of dust offense that we had. Well, fast forward to this year, there were times where the defense was struggling, you know. And I'm not throwing shade at the LSU defense because they're peaking at the right time for them to make a championship run. But I would have never imagined in in any stretch where the defense would be struggling and the offense is like, don't worry about it, we got you. We just go out score everybody. You know, because think about it. At some point in the season, this team gave up 30-plus points to Vanderbilt, 30-plus points to Ole Miss. No problem. Defense is like, I got you. I mean, excuse me, the offense is like, I got you. We go ball out. So in a history of LSU offense that, it's three yards in a cloud of dust. For us to be able to open it up and be able to pass the ball and run the ball in the spread like, like LSU's been able to do is nothing short of amazing. Hats off to Joe Brady and Steve Inzbanger for that offense, right? Another reason why I'm excited and this is my favorite season ever, Coach O. Now you say what you want about Coach O. You know? Coach O... Was a terrible coach at Ole Miss. We get that. You know. He wasn't good. When Les Miles got fired. Well first of all. Let me say this. It was time for Les Miles to go. But LSU and Joe Oliva. Handled that situation so badly. To where it, it was just outright embarrassing for the university. It was embarrassing for Les Miles. But. But. You know, Coach O was named the interim head coach, and he handled himself like a true gentleman. And LSU didn't want him. LSU didn't want to hire him. You know, they publicly wooed Jimbo Fisher. They went after Tom Herman, all while this man's coaching, and he handled himself great. He's a guy from here. He's an underdog. I just told you how bad he was at Ole Miss. This is the job that he wanted. And now look at him, you know. He couldn't be more excited to be LSU's head football coach at all. Like, he could be anywhere else in America, and this is where he would want to be. And for him to just have the success that he's been able to have and for him to just be undefeated and be the CEO of this LSU program with the best offense we've seen in in LSU history – I just love that for him, so I'm I'm excited about this season because of Coach O. But last but not least, I got I got I got to bring up Joe Burrow, right? Joe Burrow has been the best quarterback I've seen at LSU. You know, now somebody might say Jamarcus Russell might have more talent. Well, Jamarcus Russell probably was the best thrower of a football I've ever seen. But as far as being a complete quarterback is Joe Burrow, you know, somebody else might say, "Hey, the system allowed Joe Burrow to be able to accomplish everything he accomplished, and it helped him." Obviously, like he's not going to throw for forty eight hundred yards in a less miles type of offense. I'm not. I'm not naive enough to think that, and I get it. You might watch a game and sometimes Joe Burrow is sitting back there in the pocket, he's got a long time to throw. He makes a good throw and it seems like Jefferson or Chase or Marshall is going to be wide open. And and I get I get that. That that's a product of the system that he's in. But that's not what impresses me about Joe Burrow. I'm talking about the times where the play breaks down and he surprises you with his athleticism because he doesn't seem like he's athletic as what he is. But he scrambles well. He'll he'll run and get a first down if he needs to. He'll take a hit and get right back up. Or even if he's not running, he's always looking downfield to try to complete a pass. Like he's dodging defenders, his eyes are down, his eyes are downfield, and he sets his feet and steps up. And makes a big time throw, like he had a play in the SEC championship game like that, where he rolled, he dropped back, he was scrambling, he ended up rolling to his right, getting away from defenders, and he has a big play to Ricky Jefferson. Same thing in the Texas game, except it went to his left. You know the game's on the line. He runs out, and he's no he he knows he's getting smoked, and he steps up delivers a strike, we win the game. You know, that type of stuff makes me love Joe Burrow's game. You know, I I'm, I couldn't be more excited for anybody else to play quarterback at Tiger Stadium besides Joe Burrow. And he's probably going to win the Heisman. LSU's first Heisman Trophy winner since Billy Cannon in, what, 1959? Something like that. So 60 years, I mean, that's impressive of itself. So this season by far has been my favorite season since I started watching LSU football. And and that's regardless if they if they win out. You know, now, granted, I feel confident that they should that they should beat Oklahoma, you know, and we might as well transition and look at that game. Um, because that's one of the two playoff games that i'm gonna talk about right so you look at this game against oklahoma what oklahoma does really really well is they have a very very good offensive line right they can run the football they have a lot of design runs for jalen hurts who by the way you know obviously i just said i was a tiger fan so of course i want the tigers to win but I've been rooting for Jalen Hurts all season. You know, We we'll to get on a tangent a little bit. Jalen Hurts, for him to handle himself the way he did at Alabama after he got benched, he lost his starting spot. For him to handle himself the way he did and then transfer to Oklahoma, I was rooting for the guy the whole time. And I would be rooting for him to win the Heisman had Joe Burrow not been in the Heisman race you know but i'm i'm happy that he's had a tremendous season with Oklahoma and he's improved his draft stock and hopefully he has a good career in the NFL but uh back to the game you know you talk about Oklahoma's offensive line he's played tremendously you know he's had a issue with holding on to the ball at points you know he's he's been a little careless with the football sometimes but other than that there's no real holes in his game. They call a lot of runs for him. He's athletic enough to be able to do that, but he also will sit back in that pocket he'll pick you apart. He's shown that he was a that he's a much better passer than he was when he was at Alabama, so he's shown growth and he can sit there and pick you apart. um obviously lamb is a is a major part of what they do. He's a very, very good receiver, one of the best receivers in the country. You know that doesn't hurt that they have him. But you look at this LSU secondary, now granted, they've been playing a lot better the last couple of weeks, you know, against Texas A&M, against Georgia, LSU's defense played much better than what they've been playing all year, and that's largely a part of everybody's healthy, right? The defensive line has been healthy for the first time as a unit pretty much the whole season, and they've been able to get after the quarterback and generate some pressure with that front four. Well, Oklahoma's offensive line is really, really good. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to do that consistently. Um, so one, I guess if you want to say an Achilles heel of LSU's defense, in my opinion, is their nickelback, you know, um, Vincent, and the other cornerbacks that's not DJ Stingley and Christian Fulton. The other, The other corners. They've struggled in coverage. And if Jalen Hurts has time in the pocket, that might be an issue. So I would expect Oklahoma to put up some points against this LSU defense. I don't expect them to put up like 30 or 40. But if they scored like 21, 27 points, I wouldn't be completely shocked. Because I think the offense is good enough to do it. But then again, man, if you take a look at the other side of the football, my Lord, Oklahoma has a terrible defense. I mean terrible. And that defense don't stand a chance of stopping Joe Burrow, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Terrace Marshall, Thaddeus Moss. It goes on and on and on about all these weapons that – Joe Brady, Steve Inzbanger have at their disposal, you know. So I don't expect this game to be close at all. I expect LSU to really, to really come out and send a message in Atlanta, the same place they won the SEC championship in a couple of weeks ago. I feel like they just going to come out and they go blow Oklahoma off the field. But the only shot that Oklahoma has is to try to keep the game close. They are going to have to keep Joe Burrow and this LSU offense off the field. So this is where this big offensive line comes in. They might have to run the ball a lot more because you don't want a quick strike and tr- and getting a shootout with LSU's offense because you're gonna lose. Um, I think that's the only chance they got. I don't see them. I don't see them winning this ball game by any stretch. They're like a twelve and a half point underdog. I would take LSU to beat the spread. That's just me, but enough about that cuz I think it's going to be a blowout. We're going to move on to a a much better matchup. So I'm going to move on to the to the more intriguing game of the college football playoff. You got the defending champion Clemson Tigers playing against the Ohio State Buckeyes in the Fiesta Bowl. This this game is going to be a good football game. I I'm excited to watch this. So You know, you look at these two teams, right? Everybody's been talking about Ohio State all year, you know, and and for good reason. They've been impressive. Um, They have big wins against Michigan, Penn State. They beat Wisconsin twice. They won the Big Ten, which I would assume is the consensus for the second best conference in the country. You know, this team has looked good all year, you know. But then on the other hand, you have Clemson. And Clemson is the defending national champions. They've won about 27, 28, 29 games in a row, something like that. Um, but nobody's talking about them. Well, that's because they haven't played anybody. Now, the team is very, very good. You know, you look at this team, they've blown everybody out, you know, since, since they had that close call against North Carolina, at North Carolina, where uh, Mac Brown... North Carolina's head coach went for two at the end of the game and missed it. Um, they had a close call. But since then, they've been dominating everybody. But if you look at the team, it's a very, very good football team. Now, granted, they did lose their whole defensive line in the NFL draft. But that back seven on the defense is as good as anybody else in the country. Then you look on the other side of the football, you got Trevor Lawrence, who is a very, very good quarterback. You know, he's clearly a top five quarterback in the country, if not higher. It's just nobody's talking about him because of the success of Joe Burrow, Fields from Ohio State, and Jalen Hurts, right? But he still threw for 3,100 yards. He's completing 68% of his passes. He has 34 touchdowns as compared to eight interceptions. He's having a great season, you know. Travis Etienne. It's run for 1,500 yards. So this Clemson team is a very, very good football team. And I understand that Coach Dabo Sweeney feeling a little disrespected that nobody's talking about them. So looking at the matchup, you know, I really, really am excited to watch this game. You know, because we just talked about how good the back seven was on this Clemson defense. You know, Justin Fields, he's having a hell of a season. He's throwing for 40 touchdowns to one interception. But I don't think he's the key to this game. You know, I think it's going to be J.K. Dobbins. You know, they're running back for Ohio State. I don't believe in Clemson's D-line. I don't think they've, they've played against a line that is as physical and is as good as Ohio State's line. They haven't seen a running back like J.K. Dobbins. You know, the key is going to be to run the ball. You know, I think they can defend the pass. You know, none of... Ohio State's receivers scare me, Um, I think the key for Ohio State is going to be to run the ball. Now you look at the flip side of it, you know, you look at Ohio State's defense versus Clemson's offense, Clemson doesn't have a hole anywhere on offense. You know, they can run the ball, they can throw the ball, you know, they protect Trevor Lawrence really, really well. So Chase Young is Ohio State's other Heisman Trophy finalist, the defensive end and I mean, this guy's amazing, you know he's gonna have to be the guy to have a big game and disrupt this Clemson offense because if you look at it, they don't have holes anywhere. you know they can't blitz Trevor Lawrence and expect to have good results because he's gonna beat you on a blitz, so you have to be disruptive you have to have you have to have pressure on Trevor Lawrence from your front four and chase Young. He has to have the biggest game of his career, which I think he'll play well. I don't think they get it done, though. You know, I think this game, both teams score 30-plus points. I think it's going to be a good game. It's going to come down to the end. But at the end of the day, I get that Clemson hasn't played anybody this season. Their schedule has been super weak. I think I even saw a Juco team on the schedule this year. Ohio State's played some good opponents. But what really changed my mind about Ohio State, two things. Well, one thing about Ohio State. Last week, they were down in the Big Ten Ten championship game in the first half to a team in Wisconsin that they beat the brakes off of in the regular season. Right? Right? It almost looked like the moment was too big for them. Now at halftime, they made adjustments, and they they came out and they were a the better football team. So they took care of business. They can't afford to do that against Clemson, because even though Clemson didn't play nobody, Trevor Lawrence, most of his offense, won the national championship last year. They took Bama behind the woodshed and did the unthinkable. They beat Bama like nobody thought that Bama could be beaten, you know. And I'm not saying it's the exact same football team, but a lot of those key players are still in place. The moment's not going to be too big for them. Trevor Lawrence has been there. Dabo Sweeney has been there. He's a two-time national champion. I really think that's going to play a factor in this game. The talent level on both teams are close. I like Clemson in this game. I like Clemson to win 38-31. to So Clemson will face off against LSU in a national championship in New Orleans. Tigers versus Tigers. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit. You know, we're going to stay with football, but we're going to slide over from college to the NFL. And we're going to talk a little bit about the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints have put together... A very, very good season, you know. I think uh, down here in Louisiana, we've grown kind of used to the Saints putting up 10 wins, you know, for the last three seasons. They've won at least that many. They've won the NFC South all three years. The combination of Drew Brees and Sean Payton has been brilliant, you know, as usual, you know. Um, so just over my overall thoughts of the season First and foremost, I got to give some props to Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, Drew went out with an injury, as we all know. And uh, Teddy came in, won five straight games for the team. And, you know, that's the perfect role of a backup, right? A backup quarterback, you're supposed to be able to come in, maybe make a small adjustment here and there, but you're supposed to be able to win games with your backup quarterback. When Drew went out, everybody was saying, well, you know, you might be out six games. Let's hope that Teddy can go 3-3. Three and three. Teddy only played five games, and he went 5-0. and 0. So hats off to Teddy. Um, you know, right now, they are third in the NFC as far as playoff seedings. Um, they, they were number one, but they lost a thriller to the 49ers. And just looking at the whole team, the, you know, the season going the way it's going, um, it's going to be difficult for the Saints to get home field advantage. And because they lost to the 49ers, you know, and they also have a couple injuries, they they lost Davenport and Sheldon Rankins. That's two very, very good defensive linemen. They lost them for the remainder of the season, you know. So home field advantage. Well, let me let me step back a second. When we say home field advantage, as the number one seed in your respective conference. You get to play every home game, every playoff game until the Super Bowl that you that you get on your home turf, right? And the Saints historically, under Sean Payton and uh Drew Brees' time in New Orleans, the Saints have lost one home playoff game. And that was the NFC title game last year. You know, most people will probably blame that game on the no pass interference or the no call on the pass interference. Um, But either way, they played well enough to win. They just didn't pull it out at at the end. That's the only home playoff game they've lost since Drew Brees and Sean Payton came here in 2006. On the flip side, they've only won one road playoff game in that same time span. And that was a game in 2013 in Philadelphia. And I don't think the Eagles were that good that year either. So, more so than any other team in the NFL I feel like the Saints need home field advantage you know just being in that superdome being a part of that environment that environment is what a lot of people would call a hostile environment that dome is deafening you can't hear yourself think when it's loud and it makes it hard for opposing quarterbacks and and coaches and, co- and coordinators to be able to communicate to each other It's all for the quarterback to get the play out in the huddle. You know, that's just what type of environment that is. And it it gives the Saints a great advantage. And I think that's very, very important, you know, uh, for this football team. Now, I'll say this. The Saints are very good this year. Um, I still don't think they've put together a complete football game. We've seen games to where the offense sputtered and the defense held it down where you know you saw Jacksonville only score like six points you know you saw good defensive effort in Chicago um the defense played well um in some division games you know the defense really stepped up at some points and then there's a game like the last Sunday where the where the offense puts up four to six and you still lose right so you know I think the Saints have been really really inconsistent even though they've been winning You know, you you hear that and it sounds funny, but they haven't done the same things consistently. The only consistency they've really had was Mike Thomas. Mike Thomas is having a fantastic season. He's on pace to break every single season receiving record in NFL history. He's on pace to to break all of that, and he's been nothing short of phenomenal. Well, it's because the rest of the receivers aren't really, really good. Um, I think Drew Brees has been consistent while he's been in there. He's been Drew. You know, you know what Drew's going to do. You know what he's not going to do. Um, now, the Saints still have a shot to get home field advantage. Um, what they would need, they need some help, though. They need the Packers to lose a game. They also need the 49ers to lose to the Seahawks, in which they'd have a better – and the Saints have to win out. You know, they have the Colts left, they have the Titans left, and they have the Panthers left. Um I think those are three winnable games. I don't think they're going to be pushover games by any stretch because the Colts have been overachieving, you know, with Jacoby Brissett, at quarterback, but that game's at home on Monday Night Football. You know, you look at the Tennessee Titans who've been playing really, really good football, It's especially after they benched Marcus Mariota for uh, Ryan Tannehill and also, you know, Carolina Panthers. You just never know with the Carolina Panthers what you're going to get. You know, that's a division game. The Saints, on paper, should really beat the Panthers pretty badly, but they only beat them by a field goal in the Superdome. So you just you, – you never know what you would get. I think they're winnable, but, you know, they got to come to play. And obviously they need the help. Um, I think Seattle can beat the 49ers. Also, I think Green Bay could end up losing to the Vikings at one point. And that way the Saints will have home field advantage, right? But for the Saints to – Win these three games and win them decisively there's a couple of things I need to see change you know um Sean Payton loving the debt one of the most brilliant offensive minds that I've ever seen in football and I love the fact that he's the Saints coach but sometimes he overco he outcoaches himself and I thought the play calling was much better when Breeze and Kamara were out of the lineup, you know. Now, I'm not saying the Saints are a better football team without Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara, because that would be crazy. What I am saying is the play calling was more conservative and the offense was more balanced, you know. Sean Payton has confidence in Drew Brees, and as he should. Drew Brees is the first ballot Hall of Famer, Anybody, any head coach would be crazy not to have confidence. But I think Sean takes a lot of risks that aren't necessary and you put Drew Brees behind the sticks a lot. you know. Also, I think we force the ball to Alvin Kamara too, especially when we're running in between the tackles. So in my opinion, I think Latavius Murray needs to get more carries between the tackles. Alvin Kamara still needs a lot of touches, but let's get him in space. Let's throw him the ball. Let's let's pitch it out to him. But when we need those tough two or three yards, like third down and one or two, four down and one or two, I'd rather see the Saints line up and run Latavius Murray than Alvin Kamara. That's just me, and that hasn't happened. Um, when we got the, the teeth kicked out of us by Atlanta, the Saints ran the ball 11 times. Even against the 49ers last week, Latavius Murray averaged 10 yards a carry. You know, this brother is a good running back. He brings the same dynamic that Mark Ingram had with Alvin Kamara last year. Or the same dynamic we had with Deuce McAllister and Reggie Bush years ago, where you had the bruiser, the physical guy, and you also had the guy that you want to get in space. Um, Latavius Murray needs more carries. I think he needs at least 50 carries a game. Let's give Kamara maybe five to six, seven carries, and let's get him the ball in the passing game and let him play. Um, I think that has to change. I think once once the offense controls the ball a lot more, it'll help the defense stay off the field. Um, the defensive line has been very, very good, but now that Davenport and Sheldon Rankers are out for the season, that defense is going to need some help. Um and I think controlling the football is the way to do it. I don't see the Titans or the Colts or the Panthers having prolific offenses to where they just go score a whole bunch of points. Anyway, let's just go ahead and control the football. Let's lock up home field advantage. And, you know, I'd like to see the Saints have that number one seed mm-hmm. and get a shot to go to the Super Bowl and let Drew Brees retire mm-hmm. as a champion like John Elway did. So, that's all I got for y'all this week, you know, of uh, the highly opinionated podcast. Um, if y'all have any questions or comments, um, my, my information will be in the bio. I do enjoy all feedback. My Twitter is George underscore Becknell. That's the quickest way to get to me. If y'all have any questions, let me know. But until then, I'll see y'all next time, man. Go Tigers!